0: Welcome everyone. We're continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 88. Today's class is sponsored for Rifua Shilema of Shoshana Bat Le'ah. She should have a speedy recovery and all health and all good things. Amen. We have been discussing. The Amida, and we've had a number of classes on the words Velohe Aboteno. We've discussed how important it is for our people to be a link in the chain of our history. Today, I'd like to discuss further on that topic but something very specific. A mitzvah that is considered, as we will see, one of the most important mitzvot in the Torah. A very unique mitzvah, as we will soon see. Even perhaps more than we thought. The mitzvah of Kibud Avaim. Avotenu in the Amida doesn't only mean Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Avotenu means as literal as it sounds. Our father, our mothers. The mitzvah of Kibud just to give you just a very brief few examples of what it entails, even if it sounds a little obvious, but I'd like just to be clear about what we're talking about. What exactly does the mitzvah of honoring parents entail? Like all the mitzvot in the Torah, when you first read it in the Torah, it may sound very simple and obvious, but the mitzvah of Kibuda Vaim is not simple and is not obvious. The amount of halachot that this mitzvah entails is something we would need many, many, many dozens perhaps of classes to be able to really understand the halakhot properly. But again, i just like to give you a few principles of this halakha. In the Torah, the commandment is split up into two categories. We have a pasuk, one of the Ten Commandments, Kabed et That mitzvah talks about honoring our father and our mother. Another halacha mentioned in the Torah is ish tirao, that a man or a person must be in awe of his mother and father. So the Gemara basically tells us examples. Of what each one of these pesukim are asking of us. So, for example, the Gemara says, "Ezehu mora ve'ezehu kibud." What does it mean to be in awe? We know what the word "awe" means. It's not what they're asking. They're asking, "Give us examples of how I show awe to my parents." And how do I show honor to my parents? Which means there are certain words that we use that if we don't attach examples to them, so they come out very beautiful and nice and sometimes poetic and they hit the heart and they warm. But if we don't attach actions to them, they mean very little. So the Gemara is trying to make sure that we understand when we see the word "honoring" a father, it shouldn't just be like, "Oh, well, of course, I honor my parents," and done. It should be something specific with actions, and the, or the same. So the Gemara says, "Which? What is that? What does that mean?" So the Gemara says, "Mora." So the Gemara says, here's some examples of what it means to be in awe of a father or mother. Lo Ahmed bimkomo. Which means that a person is not allowed to stand where a father or mother stand. What does that mean, where they stand? It means that if they have a specific spot in the house where they stand, when they're with people, that's their spot. So a child, a son or daughter, is not allowed to stand in that spot. Because that would be considered a lack of awe, a lack of fear. Gemara says, You're never allowed to sit in your parents' chair. If they have a specific chair, whether it's on the table, whether it's a couch, whether it's in at home, or it's in work, or it's in shul, a chair that is clearly known to be the chair of your father or mother, one may not sit there, it's asur sort to of sit there, it would be considered a lack of fear and lack of awe of a parent. The Gemara says, Another example, mm-hmm. you're never allowed to disagree with your parents, which means if your father says, I think this is what we should do, you can't say, no dad, I think we should do that. You cannot argue with your father or mother and you cannot be soter, you cannot contradict what they say. Now, that that applies in all areas including learning of Torah. Now that doesn't mean you can't give your opinion. But you have to be careful when you give your opinion that it's done respectfully and not as an attack on their opinion. So for example, if your father says, I think you're allowed to turn on lights on Shabbat. So you would not be allowed to say, no dad, you're not allowed. You can't do that. That would be called (laughs) Soter Eddivarav. What you can say, and you should say perhaps, is, but dad, I went to a class Some time ago, the rabbi taught that you're not allowed to do that. So maybe we should look into it. I'm giving you just an example. The point is, you cannot just say you're wrong, even if he's obviously or she's obviously wrong. You must say it in a way that comes off not an attack, but as maybe informative or inquisitive or, you know, I learned something else, I'm not sure if that's what they said. I'm not sure if that's what they meant. It has to be done in a respectful way. So you're not allowed, says the Gemara, to, contr- excuse me, to contradict his words. Ve lo makhri'o. Lo makhri'o means you're not even allowed to say, I agree with you. You can't say, You're right. You're right, mom. You're right, dad. They're having a discussion with their friend, and you say, Mom, you're right. Dad, absolutely correct. Can't do that. Because that's considered equating yourself to your father or mother. You're not in a position to decide if they're right or wrong. By saying you're right, that means already in your mind, you're measuring who's right, and you decided they're right. That is not appropriate. You could say... You could say, I felt the same way. You could say, I heard the same thing from a great person. You could say certain comments that make them feel right, but you can't say you are right. Another example of awe is one is not allowed to call his parents ever by their name. You cannot call them by their first name. An exception would be if someone asked you, who is your father, who is your mother? You would be able to say their first name. Or sometimes, maybe in writing, you will be able to do that. Not sometimes. In writing, you can do that. But otherwise, you cannot say your father's or mother's name. That's all under the category of mora, of awe. Oh. What is kavod? What does it mean to honor one's father and mother? And by the way, just for the record... When we say honor a father and mother, it doesn't have to be a father and mother that was a great father and mother. They don't have to be the best parents. They could have done some very bad things to you. It doesn't matter. A father and mother, when we speak about them, we're not talking about their qualities. We're talking about the reality that biologically they're your father and mother. It doesn't matter how they treated you, how much they gave you, or how little they gave you. It doesn't matter if they cut you out of the will or did it. It makes no difference. It's irrelevant. They're your father and mother. That's what we're talking about. The Gemara says, Kavod, honor, an example of honor. Ma'achil, ma'achil means you have an obligation to feed your parents. Which means if they need food or they need help to eat, or they need someone to go shopping for them, or they need someone to pick up something from the restaurant they ordered. That's included in ma'achil. You see, the morad, the first category was all the things you're not supposed to do. Don't stand there. Don't sit there. Don't argue. Don't agree. Don't mention their name. Kavod is all about the things you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to feed them. You're supposed to bring them a drink. If they ask you for something, you go ahead and you get it for them. If you feel like they need something, you're supposed to go get it for them even if they're not asking you. (laughs) Malbish u'mechaseh. Comes to clothing, they need someone to help them. Makhnis umotzi, meaning you're supposed to escort them. If you see them walking down the street by themselves, you run there and you walk with them. You don't let your father and mother walk by themselves. All these are active actions of honor. The idea is you should treat them like you would treat the most important person imaginable in your life. And you see them, you don't let them walk by themselves. The way you talk to them, there's a certain lingo that you would share with them. And of course, you would get them anything to make them happy and comfortable. The Gemara brings a few examples of people and the way they respected their parents. The Gemara says, "Amara Rabbi he says like, Avimai, my son. Kiem mitzvat kibud. He fulfilled the mitzvah of kibud. The Gemara says that Avimai himself had five boys. And when he would come home, as he was coming close to the door, I'm not sure how it works in your house. Someone comes to the door, they knock or they ring the bell. Sometimes it could take five minutes before somebody decides that maybe they should be the one that goes. Especially if if there's one person, usually they go get the door. But if there's five, they just wait around for the other one. So it says here that whenever he would come to the door, excuse me, meaning when his father would come, Avimai had five boys. When his father, Avimai's father, would come to the door, He had boys. They could have gone themselves and opened the door. But he would run himself. So imagine you have a home and you have all your children there and your father or mother comes. It would be easier for the little children to go and open the door. They're running around anyway. But Avimai would not allow that. Avimai would run to the door. And he would open the door. And not only that, until he would go to the door and get there, he would say, yes, 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 I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Because the person by the door doesn't know if anyone has heard his knock, if people are coming or not. So even that little amount of anxiety that his father might have he would spare him and he would say I'm coming I'll be right there until he would come and open the door the Gemara says that one time his father asked him for water and by the time he got him the water his father fell asleep he was dozing off the Gemara says so he waited his father asked him for water his father is waiting. Well, he's sleeping. So he waited till his father woke up. And the Gemara says, Bentaim. So a person might say, what a waste of time. What a waste of time. You're sitting waiting for your father to wake up. When he wakes up, let him get the water. The Gemara says, taim." In the meantime, it says, it seems there was a mizmor in Tehillim that he was troubled with or couldn't understand. Gemara says it was mizmor Asaf in Tehillim. For, for Avimai, a great Talmud hacham, not to understand a peref of Tehillim must have been something very difficult and it must have been very hard for him. That's his whole life. His whole life is Torah. Gemara says... During those moments, when he was waiting for his father to wake up with the cup in his hand, Gemara says he got si'ata Deshmaya and he was able to understand mizmor le'asaf. He was able to understand something that he couldn't understand for a while. Famous Gemara about Rabbi Tarfon, one of the great Tanaim, one of the greatest Jews that ever lived. Gemara says Rabbi Tarfon, every time his mother wanted to go up on the bed, it was a little bit high for her. So the Gemara says that he would lie down and she would step on his back in order that it would be easier for her to step onto her bed. And every time she would come down, he would again go on his stomach and she would let him step on his back in order to come down. These are stories, these are classic stories in the words of Hazal but in truth there are so many stories even till modern day of people who excelled at this mitzvah. Interesting, the end of that story of Rabbi Tarfon the Gemara says that he went to the bet Midrash and he told all the Talmidei Chachamim, he was proud of what he accomplished. He wasn't coming to boast, but he was coming to give them what it means to honor a father and mother. So he says, look what I did. Every time she walks up, I would go down, she would step on me. So they told him, <clears throat> they told him, Amru <clears> lo, Adain lo higata <throat> lehatsi Bud avaim. They told me, we know you think you're doing great, but you should know you haven't reached even half of what kibuda va'em is. Which means that as we see these stories and get excited by them, it's not even close to what it's supposed to be. A few modern day stories of great people, I saw in the book, the Hafetz Hayim talks about his life story, that the Hafetz Haim, so long as his mother was alive, he would never leave the city of Radin, small city, without getting her permission. Even if it was somewhere very close outside the city, he would first ask his mother if, it was there, if she gave him permission to leave. Rav Chaim Kanievsky writes in his book, Derech Siha. That he was once with his father and with the Hazonish, the great Hazonish. And the Hazonish gave Rav Chaim the honor of saying Zimun. <clears throat> he didn't say, you know, he says, Birshut Or whatever he said, with your permission, I'd like to make the Zimun. After Berkat Amazon, the Hazonish gave him a few words. He says, how could you say Zimun in front of your father? You don't say Birshut Avi Mori. You don't say with the permission of my father. You just say Zimun Bershut Chem like everybody is the same. Your father's here. You have to mention Bershut Avi Mori. There is a halakha, by the way, in Kibbuta Vayim. That you don't necessarily have to lose money for your parents. Which means if they ask you for money, you don't have to give them money. You have to give them your service. So it could be, for example, if they want you to buy something, you have to go buy it. But they could pay you for it. The money part, that's Michel Av, not Michel Ben. One time there's a story with Chaim alava Shalom, that a Tamih Hakam came to him. And told him that his father, who lives in a nearby city, is asking for him to come visit. So he told Rav Chaim that since it's going to cost him whatever money to get on a bus and travel to that city, and the halakha says that you don't have to spend money on your parents. It's a nice thing, but you don't have to. So my father's asking me to come visit him, it's going to cost me $200. because it to cost me $1,000 to get there. Am I obligated to go and spend that money? So Rav Chaim says you're not obligated to go on the bus. But if you don't go on the bus, then you go walking. <laughs> because you have to honor your parents. So if you don't want to spend the money on the bus, that's your problem. But you yourself have to go to visit your father. So if you have to walk for four days, so go walk. Now these are not, I'm not giving you today any kind of extra hasidut. I'm not telling you pious actions. So far we haven't discussed anything that is beyond what the halakha requires. The halakha requires that you assist your father and mother in whatever they need using your body, using whatever tools you have in order that they have a better and easier life. And they feel the kavod that you're giving them. The Midrash says that this mitzvah is called or is branded as Hamura she bahamurot the word hamur means very very difficult and it says this mitzvah of kibud avaim is hamura shebahamurot which means there are certain mitzvot that are difficult in the torah there are some easier than others and this one is the difficult of the most difficult now, probably you're surprised to hear that. Probably you're surprised to hear, really, kibuda va'em is so hot? The only reason why we feel it's not like this is probably because we're not aware of the extent of our obligations to our parents. The Midrash says it's called, hamura I'm about to tell you something very shocking. The Gemara and Masechet Kiddushin talks about one of the greatest sages in our history. His name is Rabbi Hanan. The Gemara says that Rabbi Hanan, by the time he was born, his father already passed away and his mother died at childbirth. So Rabbi Hanan had no father and no mother. That's not the shocking part. The shocking part is what Rabbi Yohanan said after he learned the halachot of Kibbut Ava'im. You'll forgive me for this. It's going to shock you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Amar Rabbi Yohanan. Ashre, fortunate, mi shelo hama'an. Fortunate is the one who doesn't have parents. He says, I feel lucky that I don't have parents. Feel lucky you don't have parents. What does that mean? What is he saying? Gimara says, Rabbi Zera, another orphan, one of the great sages in our history. Rabbi Zera, Gimara says in Pe'a and Yerushalmi that he was once feeling bad about the fact that he didn't have parents, he couldn't fulfill the mitzvah of kibud ava'em. But when he learned the halachot of kibud Ava'im and he studied all the different requirements of kibud ava'em, he says, thank God, I don't have a father and mother. I don't know that I would be able to do this. Did you ever imagine a rabbi in the Mishnah, in the Gemara, These are from the greatest humans that ever stepped on the planet. Did you ever imagine, could you imagine them saying, Oh, it's raining on Sukkot. Thank God. I don't have to sit in the Sukkah. Oh, there's no lulav and etrog this year. Baruch Hashem. One less headache. Would you be disappointed if you heard that? These are the greatest people in our history who would do anything to fulfill a mitzvah. Could you imagine Rabbi Yochanan saying, fortunate I am that I don't have a father and mother the reason why we don't say that is one of two reasons either we don't fulfill mitzvot so well or we don't have any idea what this mitzvah of kibbut avaim is asking from us if you don't know what the mitzvah is if you just read Kabed et Imecha, you say okay, great, I'm doing great. I call once a month at least. Once in a while, I say hello. I want, I buy them a birthday gift every so often. Uh, uh, you know, like I'm doing good, I'm doing great. If you don't know the halachot, so you think you're doing great, like Hilchot Shabbat, the Hafetz Hayim writes in the Hagdama in his in his introduction to Hilchot Shabbat, he says if a person doesn't learn Hilchot Shabbat. Then it's almost a sure thing, I say almost out of respect, it's a sure thing that he's Mehalal Shabbat, there's no question. If you don't know Halchot Shabbat, you just assume, like, what, what could there be? Look, I don't drive, I don't turn on lights, I don't cook. Show me Shabbat, I'm done. But you start learning halakha and you start realizing Shabbat is much more than those things, Shabbat is endless. So, but if you don't know, you don't feel like you're missing anything. And the same with kibbut Aba'im. Ignorance of the halakha and the obligation allows us to feel that we're doing great in this area. While we may be very far from the requirement. Just to give you an idea in halakha of things that we wouldn't imagine is an obligation it's actually brought down. This is written in Shulchan Aruch. In Hilchot Kibud Ava'em. Shulchan Aruch says, "Ad hechan Mora'am. moram," means how far do you have to go to be in awe of your parents? How far? Says the Gemara. Says, says Shulchan Aruch, excuse me. Haya haben lavush hamudot. Imagine you have a son. He's already older. He's mechubad. People give him a lot of kavod. He's a very special... Maybe he's a rabbi. Maybe whatever he might be. And he's wearing his beautiful royal clothing. And he's sitting at the top where the people sit. He's the one that sits in the east with a beautiful chair above everybody else. Uba'u aviv veimo. Just imagine the scene. few thousand people sitting. He is the guest of honor. He's sitting by himself on the stage. His father and mother both come. I mean, it wasn't a, a minute where they got upset and they did it without thinking. They planned this. They came together. They went up on the stage where everybody's watching. They took his clothes that were on him and they started to rip his clothes. Vehikuhu <laughs> al-rosho. And they started to beat him over the head. Okay? Hope your parents don't do that. Okay? But that's what this guy did. Ve al And then they spit in his face. What do you think? Nice, huh? Eh? I bet your parents never did that to you. So now, okay, so now what, what is this kid supposed to do? What is he supposed to do? Says, He's not allowed to open his mouth. He can't yell at them. He can't embarrass them. He can't even question them. He's supposed to, if you can imagine this, he's supposed to sit there with his ripped clothes, blood coming down his face, spit coming down his mouth. Okay? And he's supposed to sit there and just keep quiet. Veira, and he should be in awe of the creator of the world. You're doing a mitzvah, do not. Say or do anything that would hurt your parents, your father and mother. But they just beat me, father and mother. They just ripped my clothes, your father and mother. They spit on me, it's your father and mother. They embarrass me in front of thousands of people, it's your father and mother. Do not open your mouth. Gemara says, Ruch, excuse me, says, Adhechan kibudavayim. So that was the awe. How far do you have to go to honor your parents? Says the Gemara, says shel Zehuvim So here's, imagine a fellow who's been working for 45, 50 years and he's saving up money to buy a house. That's what it takes over here. You have to work 50 years to buy a house. Fine. 50 years he's working, he doesn't have a bank account, He keeps all the money in the pillows, okay? He puts it somewhere in the... uh, You know where it goes, okay? So he's saving up all the cash. Fifty years, the guy hasn't spent a dollar. He spends basic, very simple, very simple life. All the money he makes, he puts it away. He's waiting to buy a house. Forty-five years later, finally he saved up some money. Come his father and mother... They take all his money. They go to the beach. And they throw all his money in the water. Gone. The money is gone. 50 years of work, saving up for his house, the money is gone. Okay, now what? What are you supposed to do? Now, I don't know. I'm not going to ask you what you would do. You probably throw them in the water with the money. <laughs> and by the way, if you did, no, people would say, hey, we understand. It makes sense. Shohan al says, This is not hasidut. This is not like extra piety. Oh, wow, look what the guy did. No. This is the requirement. Lo <laughs> You're not allowed to open your mouth and... Hurt them with your words. Don't embarrass them. You're not allowed to look like you're in pain in front of them. You're not allowed to show you're angry while they're there. You want to be angry? When they leave. But while they're there, you're supposed to look and say, Wow, look at the waves. so nice. Wow. Mom, you see the, see the boat over there? Unbelievable. You can't even show anger in front of them. You're very angry. But not while they're there. Rather, you accept the halakha and keep quiet. Maybe we're getting a little taste now of why Rabbi Hanan says, I don't know that I would have been able to fulfill this mitzvah. It's called hamura sheba hamurot. It's the hardest of the hardest. And if we don't think it's so hard, it's only out of ignorance of the halacha. We just don't know. How many times have we already messed up just by learning a few halakhot? Where we yelled or screamed or answered back or showed anger or had a had an attitude or or silent treatment or we ran to our room and we wouldn't all one by one attitude after the other. It's not according to the mitzvah of Kibbut Avaim. Kibbut Avaim isn't a gift on a birthday or anniversary. It's also a gift. It's not once in a while you call up and say hello. It is so much more than that. Shohan Aruch himself writes, he doesn't do this by other halachot. He writes, In kibud li zaher me'od Be-kibud avi Or be avi You have to be very careful in this mitzvah. He doesn't usually say that. When you open Khot Shabbat, he doesn't say you're supposed to be very careful Al-Khot Shabbat. But here, even Shahana Aruch realizes that a, it's not so easy, and b, you may not know what to do. So you better start learning. Li Zahir means start learning. How could you be careful if you don't know what you have to do? Every person has to make time to learn the halakha of kibbut avaim. There's no choice. Otherwise, it's just our ignorance that allows us to feel that we're doing the right job. We mentioned the Hazan Ish before. He once told a young man that came to visit him, As you know, in yeshiva, they have times of the year where they go home. They sleep in yeshiva, they go home for a month, for a few weeks. So the Hazanish, when he saw this young man who came to visit him, and maybe he's asking him for a different etzot, different advice or direction. So the Hazanish told him that every bahur, not only for him, every bahur, vai, this should happen today. Every bahur, every young man, before he goes home, he needs to spend a few weeks learning or reviewing the halachot of kibud ad Now you're going back home to your parents. Now for people who sleep at home, that means they have to know it. They have to review it. When you're living away from home, maybe it's not as difficult because you're not around them. But when you're with them, You work with your father and mother. It's very difficult to fulfill the halakha if you don't know. So there you have it. Kibud ava'em is one of the most difficult, maybe the most. Hamura sheba hamurot. Those words sound like it is the most difficult mitzvah in the entire There's something else that Kibud Ava'em is most at. It's not only the most difficult, but it's also the most logical. Because everybody understands when they hear the mitzvah of Kibud Ava'em, everybody, I mean every Jew, I mean every Goy, I mean every person of every age understands the logic of this mitzvah. Nobody questions the mitzvah of Kibu Uda It's not a hok. it's not a mitzvah that's hard to understand. It's a mitzvah that everyone's brains, as long as they're normal, they understand. The obvious reason why I have to honor my parents, why I have to be in awe of my parents, Perhaps hachamim, in order to express that, thats so logical, it's so obvious, they gave us examples of kibbut ava'em, but very weird examples, unexpected examples, things that you would never imagine a Gemara would have to resort to, to give you an example of something. We have a rich history. We have so many people to look up to. But yet, when the Gemara asks, it says, they asked, Rabbi Eliezer, Sha'alu et Rabbi Eliezer, could you imagine the Tana Rabbi Eliezer, and his students come to ask him, Rabbi, Rosh Hashiva, Adhechan kibud apa'em, could you give us a great example of Kibud Abba'em? And he says to them, yes. He says, go out and see. I want to tell you about a goi. And what he did for his father. In a city called Ashkelon in Israel. His name was Dama ben Netina, famous story of this guy that had a precious stone, one of a kind, that they desperately needed for the Bet HaMikdash. They couldn't do service without this missing stone. It went on the clothing of the Kohen Gadol, so they can't do anything without it. So they found this address and they were willing to pay any price for this stone. And the Gemara says that the hachamim, they asked him to sell the stone for a tremendous amount of money, 600,000 coins, whatever that means. And he agreed. But when he went to get the keys for the safe, he realized that his father was sleeping on top of the keys. I guess they had to go. I don't know what the exact background of the story is. But bottom line is, he said, I'm sorry, I can't sell you. It seems from other sources they offered him more money. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't give his, he wouldn't wake up his father. Rabbi Eliezer, when he wants to teach his students about some great Example of Kibud Abba'em He went to Goy he, can't, he couldn't find a Jew He couldn't find Rabbi Tarfon He couldn't find stories in our history Why would you do that? Nothing, nothing against the Goy But we have our own rich history Why do you have, If someone is great in your family At giving charity And your children ask you Could you give me an example of someone very charitable It's not nice to say the guy next door if your father's child, what are you going to the next door for? Why is Rabbi Eliezer quoting a story that has to do with a guy who did a great thing? But we have our own history, our own people. Rabbi Eliezer gave him another example. And guess who? Same guy, Dama Benetina, Another, same, same guy. It says one time he was uh, sitting amongst the very Hashuv people in Rome, this Dama Ben And he was wearing all clothing of gold. He was obviously a very wealthy man. And suddenly his mother came. She wasn't 100%. And she started to smack him in front of everybody. She's smacking him. See what you would do if your mother came to smack you. She's smacking him left and right. Because he didn't come to visit her when she expected him. So while she was jumping and all upset, the shoe that she was smacking him with fell out of her hand. So the Benetina went down to the floor. He got the shoe and gave it back to her. <laughs> Why the choice of goyim? So perhaps it's like the Maharal says. The Maharal says that as we know, there are different kinds of mitzvot. There are mitzvot that are hokim that we can't understand what, what, why, why Hashem would want this from us. And then there's mitzvot that we do understand. It's called a mishpat. It makes sense. I understand why I have to do this, why I can't do that. The Maharal says that the classic mishpat is kibud avaim. And perhaps that's why when they asked these great people, give me an example of kibud avaim, they went to goyim. Perhaps they wanted to show them that this is something so obvious, so simple, that even Goyim understand that this is an important part of our lives. He specifically wanted a Goy. So he could show them this is not, you don't have to be Jewish for this. It's so obvious that even a Goy is able to understand the profound obligation of a a child to his parents. What makes this mitzvah so obvious? Why is it so obvious that even a goy like Dama ben Netina understands how far you have to go? He doesn't just understand that you have to honor your father and mother. He understands how far you have to go. That there's no red line for a father and mother as far as you're concerned. What well, the Hinuch says, Sefer HaHinuch writes that this mitzvah is all about hakarat hatov. It's about recognizing the kindness and all the good, and not to be a person who is called in Hebrew a kafuy tovah. A kafuy tovah is someone who doesn't appreciate what people do for him. And says the Sefer Ahinuch person has to realize that his father and mother is the reason why he is even alive. So even if your parents only gave you life and nothing else, they gave you the gift of life. For that you are eternally indebted to them. He says not only that, usually parents not only bring him to the world, but they also toil for him while he's young, they take care of him. So the mitzvah of kibut avaim is so obvious to even a goy because it's so obvious that when people do you a favor, you reciprocate. You say thank you when there's nothing to do. And when you can, you give back. And the more they do for you, the more you have to do for them. And if they give you life, so then there's no ceiling on what you have to do. You've got to give everything you can. And there's never a situation where you cross that line of disrespect. So that's the introduction to this mitzvah. Just a little introduction. It's really not enough that we could walk out saying, oh, we know the halachot. But I try to give you at least just some basic principles and a few stories just to give you an idea of why we need to learn more of these halakhot. But now I'd like to go a little more in depth. and I'd like to use the story that we just learned about Dama Ben Netina as our stage to climb from there. The ending of that story of Dama ben Netina, after they left and he missed out on a lot of money. The Gemara says, I'll read for you the Gemara. Another year came I guess they found the stone elsewhere. Gemara says Hashem gave him his reward. Now what is the reward of a man who missed out on a huge sale of one stone? A unique stone that people I guess don't really need that much. But the people who need it came for it and I guess they don't need it anymore. So, what is the reward for such an act? So interesting. The Gemara says Hashem rewarded him that the following year he had born to him in his whatever, wherever they are in his barn, a para aduma, the red cow. Para aduma. Is a very rare animal. There have only been nine in history. The paraduma has no value to anyone in the world except the Jewish people. Paraduma is the only way a person who is not pure because they were around a dead person or touched a dead person, the only way to be pure is through the ashes of the para adumah that they would sprinkle on each person who is Tame. Today, all of us are tameh, because we don't have para adumah. That's why a person cannot go inside to the area of the Beta Migdash today. Beyond the walls of the Kotel, you're not allowed to go, because we're all tameh. So, go to the mikveh. Migveh is not going to help you. For tumah of a met, you need para aduma. So Am Yisrael is the only one who appreciates this para aduma. They're very, very rare. And this Goy got a para aduma. Now he only has one customer. So they came to him and he said to them, listen to these words. First of all, he recognized that Hashem rewarded him. That's also, that's also a nice thing. He realized that Hashem gave him this as a reward for what he did some time before in honor of his father. He says to them like this, Yodeya ani bachem. He's, I know your situation. She'im ani mevakesh mikem. Kol mamon sheba olam. Meaning no matter what the price I ask from you, Atem not you have no choice. There's only one paraduma and I have it. And you need it. So there's no choice. Whatever money I ask you, ask it for a million, two million, ten million I can ask you. Listen to these words. Listen to the kibbut avam. See if you could do this with your money. He says, En I'm only gonna ask. The money that I lost because of my father's honor. I don't want to make money on my father's honor. Whatever price we agreed with for the stone, that's what I'm going to give you. Because if I make more money than the stone, that means I benefited from the honor that I gave my father. And I don't want to benefit from the honor I give my father. That's something I do for my father. It's not a financial gain. That's that's an unbelievable story. The kavod goes so far that you don't even want to gain financially from something you did to honor your father. Anyway, that's the story. So they bought the para aduma from him and they used it for many years. Here's the question. Why did Hashem choose a para aduma as the reward for His kibud avaim? Why was that the right reward? What does para aduma have to do? Hashem doesn't do things randomly. If He wanted to make Him wealthy, for example, He could have just Made him hit the stock market, a good stock that he could have bought, he could have won the lottery, he could have ended up with all kinds of precious stones or for Hashem to reward him. Hashem is not short-handed. So what did Adam Hashem do? He rewarded him through a para aduma. Why? That is today's question. Why is the reward of the goys honor of his parents, a para aduma. So a para adumah, like you all know, is the classic example of a chok. Chok is a mitzvah that when we read about it, when we hear about it, we don't understand it. Here is a man who is tameh, not pure. He needs the paraduma. A pure person takes the ashes of the paraduma, sprinkles on the person who's tame. The tame becomes tahor. The one who is impure becomes pure. and the one who was pure and sprinkling on him, The one who was working with it, he becomes Tameh. What does that mean? How could something, how could something that makes people who are Tameh, Tahor, how could it turn someone who is Tahor to become Tameh? That's one of the questions of our para aduma. It's hard to understand. That's why it's called Hok. Zot hoqat ha-Torah. It is a Hok of the Torah. A Hok means a mitzvah that we're not going to understand. It. The ones working with the ashes, they become tameh. The one who got the ashes become tahor. How does that happen? <coughs> but you should know that not only the Hukim of Am Yisrael are, are hard to understand, even the ones we understand are also hard to understand. What do I mean by that? You have mitzvah that are easy to understand. Ki is an example. It's easy to understand. But don't think because you understand it, so you got to the bottom line of what this mitzvah is all about. Don't assume when you understand a mitzvah that is a mishpat, don't assume that because you understand it, that that is the end-all reason for that mitzvah. Meaning, even in the mishpatim, there's so much depth to the mishpatim, that in reality, a lot of the mishpatim, a lot of the parts of the mishpat, You also don't understand. Here's a classic case. Kibbut Avva'em. Kibbut Avva'em is a mitzvah that everybody will say, I know why. You have to honor your parents. You owe them your life, like we mentioned before. Like the hinukh said, it's so obvious, it's so simple. So you might walk away thinking, oh, I got it. But be warned that you didn't get it. If you walk away today from this class thinking that the mitzvah of kibut ava is about you showing appreciation to your parents and that's the benefit and that's the gain and therefore you have to work on it and therefore you have to teach your children how to have kibut ava'em because you don't want them to be also people who don't appreciate. If that's what you walk away with today, so you're walking away with very little in your hand. It's like a nuclear bomb that I just gave you a little bullet from the bomb. When we understand the mitzvot, we must realize that it's only a small reason behind that mitzvah, and that it has much more than we imagined. That's why the Pasuk says, Zot Chukat HaTorah. When it introduces the mitzvah of the para-adumah, the introduction is not zot hukat. This is the law of the para-adumah. No. Zot hukat HaTorah. Why does it say zot hukat HaTorah? It's not the huk of the Torah. It's the huk of the mitzvah of para-adumah. Answer is: Torah is teaching me that just like this mitzvah is a huk, and you can understand it you should know that every mitzvah in the Torah, you also don't understand. What you understand of it is something very small to compare to what it really is. When you keep mitzvot, you should keep them as a hok, Even if you understand them. Got it? One more time. When you do a mitzvah and you get it, don't think Only the value is what you get. There's so much more to the mitzvah and there's so much more you can gain from the mitzvah. And when you only do it because you get it, you're missing out on something much bigger. The Aruch Shulhan says, such beautiful words. He says, the Pasuk says, Veshamarta eta veet amishpatim. Torah says you should keep the Hukim and the Mishpatim. He says, what is why does it say Hukim and Mishpatim? He says, because it's coming to tell you. Just like the Hukim, you do them, you don't understand? The Mishpatim should be the same way. Don't think you understand fully the Mishpatim. Your approach to Mishpatim should be similar to Hukim. And listen to the words in the Ten Commandments in Parashat V'et Hanan. Pasuk says, Kaved et avicha ve'et imecha. Famous words. Everyone knows these words. Honor your father and your mother. But listen to the next four words. Ka'asher... Sivecha Adonai Elohecha. Honor them like Hashem commanded you. What does that mean, like Hashem commanded you? It means, don't fulfill Kibbut Avam only out of your understanding. Know there's more to it. And fulfill the mitzvah the way Hashem told you. Knowing there's deeper and more to this mitzvah than what your mind automatically assumes. So I'd like today to just to share with you perhaps one example of how the mitzvah of Kibbut Avva'em is so much more than showing my parents my appreciation. That's a lot. But the way we just described it, basically you have a father and mother and you have to show them kavod and honor and show them that you respect them. So basically it's a mitzvah for them. But ka'asher means there's something more here. It's not just about that. So let me give you an example of what it is about. When Hashem gave us the Torah and Har Sinai, In Parashat Vayet-Hanan, the Torah details of what transpired at that amazing event. The giving of the Torah and Har Sinai. It talks about all the different sounds and all the different things that went on, things that were miraculous and who was there? Every single Jew alive at the time was present. When we heard about the Torah, we didn't hear it from Moshe Rabenu, We didn't hear it from somebody who had a dream or somebody who was in the desert or somebody who heard from somebody. When the Torah was given to our people, we were all present. We meaning every one of our parents was present. Every Jew alive at the time was there. Says the Torah, "Rak hi shamer lecha." Says that, "Be careful." meod. Watch over your soul. et Do not forget the events that took place on Har Sinai. We're talking to every Jew alive at any time in history. Do not forget where the Torah came from. Like the Ramban says, I'm warning you, do not keep my mitzvot just because they're mitzvot that you were given and that you were taught when you were in school or by your parents. When you keep the mitzvot, remember where they came from. Remember their source. Remember that you were given this Torah in front of the entire nation. Don't ever forget that. Kol ye mechayecha. You always have to remember, when I do a mitzvah, I am doing a mitzvah that was given to me by the Creator, by Har Sinai. That event is very critical. That event separates the Jewish people from anybody else. Every other religion had a dream, had an idea, had a vision, had a who knows what. They heard... That's what you're supposed to do from the missionary that came and taught it to them. They heard it from somebody who did a great miraculous thing in front of their eyes. Our nation was not built on people's ears what they heard. We saw with our own eyes. That's what makes our people unique. Hashem says, be careful. When you keep the mitzvot, every mitzvah that you do, make sure you always remind yourself. This mitzvah, I do it not because it's nice, not because my father told me, not because I heard it's, it's a great thing to do. We do mitzvot because the mitzvot originated by Har Sinai. They were given to all of our people. Do not forget. He says, Vehodatam ve velevne banecha and make sure you teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. Which means that every father and mother must view themselves as a recipient of the Torah that was given on Har Sinai. And from that they need to become those who give it over to their children and grandchildren. Without that event in Har Sinai that is in our hearts, if it's not engraved in our minds, and our children's minds, that we have the Torah from Har Sinai, so then the koah, the strength of a Jew, is no longer there. So therefore Torah warns us, make sure you give it over to your father, father to son, son to son, son to his son, son to his son, to his daughter. Which means that the mitzvah of kibbud ava'em is much more than a child showing appreciation to his father and mother for what they did for him. The mitzvah of kibbud ava'em is the mitzvah that holds our nation together. The mitzvah of kibbud ava'em is the reason why your son is going to stay connected to Har Sinai. Your daughter will be connected to the chain of Am Israel because of kibbut Ava'em. If children didn't respect their parents and didn't listen to their parents, then there would not be a possibility of them giving over what they heard from their father and what he heard from his father. The reality is when parents see something, experience something, they don't lie to their children. They give it over And my father heard it from his grandfather, his father, and all the way back. But only kibud ava'em, only that awe and respect that I give my parents allows me to become a recipient of their information, of what they teach me. If there's no kibud ava'em, it becomes very hard to continue the chain. That is why the Torah tells us, Ish imo ve'aviv tira'u. Torah says, make sure you are in awe of your father and mother. The same pasuk ends, ve'et tishmoru, and make sure you keep my Shabbat. Our rabbis say, what does the mitzvah of kibud have to do with the mitzvah of Shabbat? So they say, no, it's coming to teach you something. That let's say your father or mother told you, be mehalel Shabbat. They told you, listen, I want you to come with me in the car. I'm driving somewhere. I'm going shopping. I want you to come, Dad. I'm sorry, I can't come with you. Shabbat. But I'm telling you, I'm your father. Honor your father. Don't you know the mitzvah? So now I have a problem. If I don't go in the car, then I'm not fulfilling kibud avim. If I go in the car, I'm going against Hashem. So what should I do? It says the Torah. Honor your father and mother, but make sure Shabbat otay Make sure if it's your father and mother against my Shabbat, your father and mother take a back seat, you must keep my Shabbat. Your parents can't go above me. That's what the Torah came to teach me. Make sure your parents don't go above me. The Meshe chokhmah asks, isn't that obvious? Isn't it obvious that if the Creator told you to do something and your parents told you to do something and they're against each other, isn't it obvious you would do what the Creator says? We have a rule. If the the rabbi said something or his Talmid that learned everything from him said something, who are you listening to? The rabbi. Of course. What's the question? Of course you have to listen to your parents. Excuse me, to the Creator. Why would the Torah even? Which person would have thought, "Let me listen to my parents and not against, and, and go against God. It's obvious. It's pshita. The Torah doesn't need to tell us this. The Torah talks to intelligent people. So if we can get this on our own, we don't need the Torah to tell us that, says the Meshemah. that the connection to a father and mother to their children is so critical for this chain of tradition. It's so critical that they be connected to their parents to continue the chain all the way to Har Sinai. So one might have thought that it's worthwhile just this one time to listen to them, even though it's against Hashem, this way the chain and the connection can remain. Because we're afraid if you break the chain and you don't listen to your father and mother, then you're lost. You might have thought it's worthwhile to go against the Creator, listen to them, so that you can stay connected and hopefully you'll be able to connect all the way back to Harsinai. For everything else, comes the Torah and says, no, you're still not allowed to do it. But there was a thought that you should do it. Because that's how important it is for a Jew to have Kibud to connect them back to Harsinai. So big is this mitzvah. The Gemara says Hashem said, the Gemara says that Hashem compares his honor with their honor. Hashem says, honor be, honor me. Kabed Hashem Honor Hashem with your money. Hashem used the same word, kabed. When it came to honoring God, you might think He's going to use a higher word. Something greater. No. The same word He used for parents, He used for Himself. Hashem says, whatever you do for me, I want you to do for them. They and me are the same in your eyes. There's a story about a great man. His name is Raviakov Yaakov Kamenetsky. He was sitting on an airplane on a long flight. And every 10-15 minutes, a young man would come to the front and ask, can I get you something? Do you need something? you want to drink something? Do you have to go to the bathroom? Every 15 minutes or so, this young man comes to the front and says, can I help you? The rabbi was sitting next to a secular Jew from Israel, and after a while, this Jew tells her of Yaakov Kamenetsky. He says, who is, this? who is this young man? He says, oh, that's my grandson. That's hey, your grandson? He says, boy, your grandson does that? Every 15 minutes? What do you need? What do you need? What can I get you? He says, my grandchildren? They only know how to ask. <laughs> he says, they made sure they called me before I got on the plane. Nobody offered to come with me. Nobody said, you know, you need help. Dad, Grandpa, make sure you buy us this. Make sure you get us that. He says, who would dream of such respect that your grandchildren give you? He says, how do you do it? So the rabbi told him, let me explain to you the difference. He says, I raised my children that we are from the grandchildren of Abraham Avinu. Abraham was a very hashuv person, a great man in the history of the world. And he gave over his values to his children, and then we came to Har Sinai and we saw an amazing unbelievable event where God himself spoke to us and appointed Moshe Rabenu in front of us that he is his messenger. He says, the door, the generation after Moshe Rabbeinu, they looked at the first generation and said, Oh, what people, those are the people. They are Do you know how Hashu those people are? They were there by Har Sinai. That first generation is unbelievable. The second generation looked at them with awe. They were the people that heard God speaking to our people. He says, and then the next generation looked at the second generation and says, they're the people who heard directly from the first people what they saw in Har Sinai. What amazing people. And the fourth generation says, well, these are the third people. They heard directly from the second who heard directly from the first. He says, my children... Look at the previous generation as important people because they're the ones who heard from the ones that heard from the ones that heard all the way to Sinai. He says, but you, on the other hand, you raised your children that we came from monkeys. And through accident, things just got upgraded. He says, so why would your grandson give you kavod? He says, in his eyes, you connect him to a monkey. He doesn't look favorably at the guy who connected him to the monkey before him. In the world you live, the world is getting better people are getting more advanced. It's no accident that your grandchildren do not give you the proper respect because you taught them that the newer generation is more hashuv than the one before them. Our hinuch is Elohe Avotenu. We teach our children when we learn about the Rambam, we are the Rambam. Wow, he was such a giant. The Torah he learned from his rabbi. The reef, the reef, oh my goodness. And then you go down to the Bet Yosef, the Bet Yosef, what a giant. You go back, you go to the of Vilna, you go to the Benishai. you go. The way we look at the people before us, the older they are, the more Hashuv they are. And the ones that are next to us are the ones that connect us to that greatness, Of course we have kavod for our parents and for our grandparents. That's one of the depths of kibbut ava'em. It's much more than giving kavod to our parents. Actually, kibbut ava'em is much more about the child himself. It's much more about what he needs. That is why the mitzvah of kibut avva'em is on the right side of the Ten Commandments, not the left side. It's five and five. The left side is all mitzvot ben adam l'havero, between men and men. The first side all has to do with man and God. But kibbut avva'em is on the right side. If it was only about appreciating a father and mother, it would be on the left side. That's ben adam l'havero. But in reality, kibud avva'em is the essence of the existence of our people. It is what connects us to Har Sinai and to God Himself. If we don't have children that honor their parents, there will be no Jewish people. There will be no Jewish tradition. There will be no connection to our great history. Kibud Abba'em, when your parents, when excuse me, when our children, are not honoring us. It's not just, oh, we feel bad, they don't appreciate us, they don't know what we do for them. That's the least of it. That is the least of your issues when your children don't honor you. When your children don't honor you, they have one foot out of our religion. They're walking out without even realizing it. Because you are the conduit for them and their connection to our history. Just to show you, I was going to finish off with this. Just to show you how critical this point is for us. You know, when Hashem created the world, He created the world with a purpose. And the purpose is that there would be people Whoever would choose, a nation that would choose to become not just a regular human but would be a godly people. That means they would be able to live a life that is sublime, a life that is way above what normal humans expect of each other. Godliness. It was a choice that people would have to make. Who would choose to become that nation? When we open Bereshit, Hazal tells us, Bereshit, because of Reshit, Am Yisrael is called Reshit, because of Am Yisrael, the Torah, was give, the, the, the world was created. But don't, mean, don't make a mistake. It doesn't mean Hashem already had us pegged when He created the world. It means that Hashem made the world and gave every human the option to elevate themselves and want to have a different kind of life, a higher kind of life. Wherever we'll be flying close to the ground, we will be flying way above in the sky. That would be a choice that any nation would make. And the world started. From Adam, any one of his children, all of them could have been that nation. But they messed up. This one messed up. This one messed up. There were some individuals that did great things in the old history, but their children didn't follow, so they were knocked out. It couldn't be that one, it couldn't be this one. And then finally, it got to the flood, the Mabul, and that's it. The the world was no longer even relevant for even waiting for somebody. The world had to be destroyed. After the Mabul, the only ones that can elevate themselves to this unbelievable level of life would be Noah and his children, maybe all his children, maybe some of his children. It would be their choice. So the Torah shares with us a story. Now we don't realize that, whatever I'm telling you by the way is in the Torah. When the Torah speaks, it tells us specific events in history so we understand why Am Yisrael became Am Yisrael. We weren't chosen out of a hat. It wasn't a lottery choice. It wasn't favoritism. It was the Creator waiting for generations of who would elevate themselves and who would want to have this lifestyle. So, tells us the story of Noah. When Noah left the Teva, Torah says that at some point, he was drinking wine. First of all, Noah Noah Ish Haadama Karim. The Torah right away says Noah could have been something. Haval. It says by Moshe Rabenu, he was Ish Ha Elohim, which means he was a godly man. Noah, Pasuk says, he became Ish Haadama. Hashem saved him. That means he had a possibility. He became an earthly man. Not a bad man, but an earthly person. What did he do? Remember, he was the one saved. That means he's a good guy. How did he become an Ish Adama? Pasuk says, The first thing he planted in this new world, he planted a vineyard. Now, a vineyard is nice. It's important. We make Kiddush on wine. Every time we have a wedding, we make a beracha on wine. Every time we have a mila, we make a beracha on wine. Wine isn't a bad thing. So what's wrong with Noah planting a vineyard? Why is that so bad? How does that make him an ish adama? Answer is, because that's not how you start. Where's your priorities? That's how you start the new world? With with, with wine? I... I Think of myself as a mashal. A new couple gets married and they're going shopping for the first time to fill up their empty home. They have no food. They don't know what shopping is. They never saw a bill. They can't believe what's about to happen to them. They go into the supermarket and they, have, they need everything. So they're just putting stuff on the wagon. One wagon, two wagons, five wagons. Could you imagine when they walk in the store that the husband runs to the liquor section and says, hold on, hold on. I got to get the wines, the whiskeys. Uh, the, the, uh. Now, if you were that guy's wife, I would be seriously worried about you. Now, Not because he bought wine. But if your house is empty and you're about to fill up food, the first thing you do is wine. That means your priorities are messed up. Noah, the first thing he planted is wine. He became, with those priorities, imagine one act shows about who you are. It wasn't the act. It just showed where you are in life. Sometimes in life, you do something. It's not about what you do. It just shows where where you're holding in life. If you did that, then your head is somewhere else. The Torah says, You, sir, are an Ish Adama. So you have lost your ability to be the father of this great nation, whoever it would be, but you're not going to be one. And now he has three boys. Shem, Ham, Yefet. Okay. Any one of those three could, remember, if all three don't become it, or none of their children, the world has no purpose. So now, which one of those three would become from them the chosen nation. Well, the Torah tells us a very simple story. It says that Noah, after that, those grapes grew, he made wine from them. It was very good wine. It was so good that he got so drunk. The Torah says that he got so drunk and he was in his tent, in his tent, not outdoors, in his tent privately exposed. The pasuk says that Ham saw, he went in the tent, can't blame him, he didn't know, he went into the tent and he saw his father exposed. Hazal tell us he did something so terrible. I mean, you could understand him, unfortunately. It's a financial matter. He saw the, the world, by the way, at that point, belonged, all of it, to Noah. Could you imagine owning the world? That's a lot. It's a lot of real estate. When Noah would pass on, the world's going to be divided three brothers. So Ham saw himself as owning a third of the world. Now you might say it's a lot, but, you know, a lot is very relative. There are people who fight for the smallest things that they don't need. Ham saw himself as a third owner in the future of the world. When he saw his father, he was worried. All these years, I guess he was worried. What if his father has another child? Maybe his father have 10 more children. Imagine, Noah has 7 more kids. Now, instead of owning a third of the world, he gets 10%. Now, again, it may not sound like, wow, well, what's the big deal? We're fighting for a 20 by 100. Like, what's the big deal? But if you own a third of the world and you go down to 10, that's a lot. So you know what Ham did? We under- I understand Ham. I un- he's not crazy. I understand him. He likes money. But you know what he did? He went into the tent and made sure that his father would never have a child again. He made his father unable to have children. He made sure there'd only be three. That's one thing he did. And then, that's a behemah, that's a, that's a Action of an animal. Again, I understand where he's coming from, but his action is horrible to even talk about. And then he even did more. That part was at least understandable. It was horrible, but I understand it. He did something, I'm not sure if it's worse or not, but he he went out. His father is sitting in the tent. Nobody knows. Cover him up. No one has to hear about the story. Your father's embarrassed. You don't share it with the New York Times. You don't publicize it. What does he do? Ham, after he does that, he goes outside. To me, that might be even a little worse. Because at least in the first one, he gained something. Here, he went out and started to tell his brothers about his father, how embarrassing their father is in the tent exposed. What do you have to tell them that for? What did you gain from that? Ham acted like a behemoth. What happened when his brothers found out? Look at this pasuk. The Torah writes this story not to give us a historical view of Noah's time. The Torah telling us how the world developed. And how we are here, and why others aren't here. Pasuk says, "Va'yikach Shem va'yefet. Shem and Yefet took. Et They took an article of clothing. Va'yasimu al benehem. They put it on their back. And they walked backwards." And they covered their father. Which means when they got there, they didn't turn their face. They left their face turned the other way and they covered their father without looking. Notice the word Vayikah. Vayikah is Singular. Usually when you talk about two people doing something, it was Shem and Yefet. So it should have said Vayikhu. But the Pasuk says Vayikah. Why does it say Vayikah? Hazal come and tell us the reason why it says Vayikah. Limed al Shem, says Rashi. It's coming to teach us that Shem was the one that initiated shenit ametz ba mitzvah yoter miyefet yefet he acted properly but he wasn't doing it with the same whatever energy want desire like yefet shem was on a different level so Ham acted like a behemoth. Shem was awesome. Yefet helped him. When Noah wakes up, (laughs) he woke up from his wine and he knew what happened. and he says, (laughs) regarding Ham, he was the father of Kena'an. He is cursed. Not that he cursed them. A father doesn't curse his children. Arur is describing a man who is cursed. Arur Kena'an. What kind of behema are you acting like? What is that? So, what does he do? He blesses him. It sounds like a curse, but really it's a blessing. He tells him, Ayved Avadim. You, your lot in life is to be a slave. Now, we may look at that and say, oh, how horrible, you, you tell your sons to be a slave. But let me tell you something. If you're a behemoth and you don't know how to live life normally on your own, there's nothing better than being a slave for someone who directs you. Slavery is not what we think where we take a, a, a chain and, and, and beat people and hurt them and, and, and take advantage of. God forbid in Judaism it's not a slave is a slave is someone who has a master who is a refined character a beautiful person who is able to direct the Eved to live a good life just like a mother and father when they have a little child a little child is not capable of being anything special at that age so you have a father and mother that have to direct them There's no choice. Noah says, you, sir, are not, with this midah, with this character that you have, and the DNA you're going to give your children, you're not going to make it in this world. You need someone who is going to be your master. You need a father and mother to guide you through your life. If you have that, you'll be fine. Having you live without a master is a very dangerous thing. You're going to start stealing. You're going to start... Raping, you're going to start doing all terrible things. You need to be an Eved. An Eved is what you are going to make, is how you're going to make your life successful. So, not a great thing, yes, but it's also the right thing for someone who needs it. That was Kena'an. That was Ham. Vayomer, and then he says, he turns to Shem. And he says... Baruch Adonai Elohe Shem. Blessed is the Creator, the God of Shem. Meaning, what Shem did and the way he did it, there was a godliness to his behavior. It wasn't normal. It wasn't regular. It was wow. You ever see someone do something and say, wow. You, say, wow. you see the godliness on him. Yaft Elohim leyefet. Hashem will give Yefet beautiful things in the physical world. Architecture, Yefet. Olam Haze, Yefet. Many great things. Yefet got a lot of beautiful things like his name, Yefet. But he says, Ve'yishkon be'ahol Hashem. But the Shekhinah, the godliness, the ability to reach that high level of godliness is only going to be by Shem. That story changed the trajectory of the world. Three brothers that could have all been the chosen nation, one of them really messed up, one of them was okay, did good, and one of them really stepped up. And from Shem started the other two brothers, gone. Gone, I don't mean gone that they can't do anything, but they're gone from this godliness. From Shem now became the opportunity. Shem gave his children a certain DNA. From Shem waited till Abraham Avinu. Abraham, Yitzhak, Itzhak, and Yishmael could have been. But Ishmael didn't go that way. So it was only Abraham, Yitzhak. Yaakov and Isaf could have both been. Isaf went the wrong way. It was Yaakov. From Yaakov, all his children followed His ways. That lineage started the family. We became a family. The family of the nation that had in it the ability of being the godly nation that the world was created for. But notice, the Torah, when it reports to us the events of history, What may, we're called Semites. In fact, those who don't like us, they call them anti-Semites. Because we come from Shem. That story of Shem is part of our history. We come from that man. In between, people messed up. But Shem was the one that put us on the road until Abraham came. Notice, what was the story in history that started this direction after the Mabul? What was the story? What was involved in the building of the Jewish people in the history. Which mitzvah? Kibud Avahem. The mitzvah of Kibud avam was the one that decided where history would take. Are you going to be in Eved? Are you just going to have a lot of beautiful things in this world? Or are you going to live up to that godliness? It could have been other mitzvot. But the mitzvah, the Torah says... This was used by the Creator as the litmus test of where this nation would go. And that mitzvah is kibud avaim. Kibud avaim is much more than, I have to be nice to my parents. They had me. I owe them. It's so much more than that. It is the beginning of our people and it is the continuity of our people. Children who respect their parents will never go off the path of our history. When parents don't respect their parents or are not taught how to respect their parents, you're living in a very dangerous type of situation. We need to teach our children about kibuda Next week, we'll go a little bit more into that part of the subject. Baruch HaLayi Amen V'Amen.